everyone, and welcome into episode five of That's What B Said, brought to you by Fansided. I'm your host, Bree at Breezy Clee, and I'm joined by my co-host, Brittany Mollis at Bird's Eye View. Hi, Britt. Hi, guys. <laughs> wow, that was melancholy for sure. <laughs> but then she snorted, so it made it better. <laughs> yes, and that is Miss Meredith Kane speaking at MCAN Sports. Hi, Meredith. Hi, guys. <laughs> I don't know who that That was Meredith, too. That was that me, yes. Brittany. <laughs> Um, we are joined by a very special host tonight as well. We have Miss Cami Justice from News 5 Cleveland joining the show to chat all things Browns, a little bit of Cavs. Um, you guys can find her, and I'm sure you've seen her on Twitter, at Cami Justice. Hello, Cam. Welcome in. Hi, guys. <laughs> we all sound like Eeyore. <laughs> oh, well, yes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. Um, as I said, we have a lot to cover tonight um, as we're still scratching our heads as to what exactly happened over the weekend. Uh, but before we get into that, we're going to start on a bright note here because our Cleveland Cavaliers have started the season 3-0, and currently undefeated. Um, and the future looks bright for the squad and they are very fun to watch, even though a lot of people can't actually watch them. <sighs> Me being me. one of them. Mm. Legally, anyway. Just put that Same. out there. We do not condone illegal acts on this not, podcast. Not going to out. We myself. do in this specific case. <laughs> we very much do. This should be a crime to not let us watch the Cleveland Cavaliers. I agree. I agree. Criminal. Brittany, the floor is yours, Miss. Yeah, let's do this. Okay, so first of all, first things first, I need to take a moment. To run all my victory laps for Colin Sexton, who is becoming exactly what I said he would be. I want to thank everyone who has supported me through this journey. Um, the five people on Twitter who have liked my Colin Sexton tweets over the years. Thank you so much. Um, secondly, I I know I saw today that Larry Nance tweeted about Sexland, this nickname that we decided we're going to give Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. I want to say that I hate it. I don't, I, I don't condone this behavior. Um, they are babies, number one. They are like children, okay? And I'm convinced that Colin Sexton doesn't even know what sex is. <laughs> like, in my mind, he is just a little tiny baby, and he's so pure, and... You know, I looked at his Instagram today to, you know, make my point a little bit clear. He only follows 68 people, guys. Not one of them is like an Instagram model. It's all like other athletes, you know, um, his family. I didn't see like when I'm sitting there and, and, you know, my boyfriend's going through his Instagram. All I see are sneakers, golf and boobs. That's it. <laughs> It's just boob, 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 sneaker, golf. And, you know, Colin Sexton, he's just not like that. It's very wholesome. Well, I have to say the nickname as well. I saw, um, I'm not going to, I will not take credit for this, but someone posted that we have Chunt and Sexland. I hate that name. I hate it. Cammie, is that you? You hate both it of is, the names. You hate both of the names. Sexland doesn't bother me. I think it's kind of funny. Like, it's definitely... <laughs> It doesn't bother me. I can I I can feel okay saying sex blend and you know laughing about it, but Chunt just feels so wrong. This feels 
gross. It just feels so gross. And I just, I don't enjoy saying it. And I understand, like, I love that they have a nickname. I do. That's great. But I just wish it wasn't chunt. Like, I just, <laughs> this is the only time you'll hear me say that is, like, on this pod while we're, t- while we're talking about this right now. I will never tweet. I will never vocally say that nickname. I, I'm hoping someone comes up with something better that I can feel way better about. It's rough for me. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you. What if we? So I think the the two last names being monosyllabic is what hurts it. What if it was like if you cr- combined Kareem and Chubb, so it was like Kachub. But <laughs> <laughs> don't you have to combine like Kareem and Nick though? Kanik. <laughs> yeah, I actually somebody somebody tried to do that and it didn't end well on their tweet. It ended in a deleted tweet. <laughs> Oh, uh, because no. they spelled it uh, all kinds of wrong. It was really, really bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. not The deleted. Yeah, I could see that being very bad now. I can see that being very bad. <laughs> Wait, oh. what did they try? Did they try Kanik kin- or Kachub or something it, else? It, it was something like Kanik, <laughs> but it didn't end up that way. <laughs> when you say it fast, it sounds like when I was... Um... When I was little and I was watching the, well, the then Washington Bullets, now Washington Wizards. And like anytime they played the Knicks, I would get upset and call them the Knicks because I was like, that was just like my way of, I don't know. That was my like seven-year-old burn for the New York Knicks, <laughs> <laughs> the Knicks. Yeah. It also reminds me of Greece. Remember Knicky? Knicky. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I have to say though. <laughs> I was looking forward to watching the Cavs last night after the devastating Browns loss we suffered, and I needed them to cheer me up. And that is exactly what happened. In fact, I was so angry at the Browns yesterday that I woke up this morning and put on all of my Cavs gear. Like, I was scorned in a relationship. This is the currently the mood that I'm in, and I think this is a good segue in moving on to the Browns. We'll have plenty of Cavs chat to get into as the season progresses they'll play again tomorrow night we'll see if they can continue their undefeated record uh, right now they're sitting at the top of the eastern conference which is wonderful let's keep it up guys um so getting into the browns what went what went wrong guys and where do we even start so just to rewind everybody knows by now the browns had a player test positive on Saturday morning, B.J. Goodson um, tested positive. The flight to New York was delayed as the team had to conduct contact tracing, which led to the entire starting wide receiving group being out due to the close contact tracing. Um, in addition, Jedrick Wills was rolled out due to a sickness, but the Browns didn't know that until Sunday morning. And then Wyatt Teller was out due to injury. This all happened less than 24 hours to the game day kickoff but the show must go on unless you're Baltimore as Brittany <laughs> wrote in here <laughs> so we're gonna talk about this because that's really been the conversation that's been happening over the last couple of days the unfairness of the game being played and Cami, you actually wrote an article today about the NFL's rescheduling priorities um, so I want to kick off with you first Um, Can you explain what you wrote about in your article today? I learned a lot of details about how crazy even the statements from the NFL were about all the different situations. So can you talk about that a little bit? And then I want to ask the question, opinion-wise, from all of us, 
do we think the game should have been played yesterday? So, Cami, I'll kick it off with you first. Yeah, so, you know, all, th- all throughout the season, it's very, I hate the word because we, we use it so much, but it's it's unprecedented. No one really knew what this was going to be like, but the NFL did have some sense of how not playing in a bubble would look like because of Major League Baseball. Now, it's obviously not the exact same. Major League Baseball went on to, when they had outbreaks, postponed game, and then rescheduled them in double headers, maybe adding a game on a week that they had a game day off. But the difference is that the NFL saw that. They saw what happened, what went wrong. And they had time to figure out a plan uh, and, and come up with contingency plans for potential outbreaks, which almost seemed inevitable even then. Uh, and, and what it came down to is that their, their contingency plans and their rescheduling priorities, as they have said, are the first priorities are the health concerns of the players, specifically related to COVID-19. So they reschedule when there is an active COVID-19 outbreak, which makes all of the sense in the world, because of course you cannot play a game if there's an active COVID outbreak on a team. That's why we saw that Ravens game being rescheduled and rescheduled and rescheduled because more and more players continued to test positive and they were not comfortable with their ability to contact trace each day that they rescheduled. So in the case of, I mean, the Browns had an active outbreak um, a couple weeks ago uh, in over two weeks. That's when Miles Garrett was put on the list, Porter Gustin, you lost a bunch of defensive ends. Um, and Sione Takitaki was placed on the list. And so these these were happening at separate days. Uh, so that kind of felt in that moment that that game uh, might be rescheduled, but but it wasn't. Uh, and so there was, there was kind of that inconsistency that we saw. But the NFL said that they felt comfortable uh, kind of figuring out, they felt comfortable in that situation, that they knew that no other players besides the ones that were listed on the Browns reserve COVID-19 list had been in contact with anybody who had tested uh, positive. So that's why they made the decision to not reschedule that game. Whereas in the Ravens-Steelers game that got postponed three times, they said that they couldn't figure out the close contacts with enough, you know, assurance that they felt that they could play that game. So they kept rescheduling it. But the problem uh, with what we're seeing with their statements is not only is it just a lot of inconsistencies with the decision making when it comes to the COVID-19 outbreaks, but it's the lack of concern for not just the health of the players when it comes to COVID-19, but for the competitiveness of each game when a player and multiple players are taken out because of COVID-19. And and in that comes the health of the players too, because unless you are the Baltimore Ravens, they are the only team that was postponed with enough time and with the consideration of getting training in mind the nfl said when the when they rescheduled the the ravens game that they they wanted to make sure that the players that were going to play had the proper training to make sure there was no tears or muscle strains or anything like that because of the uncertainty of all these players coming in and out but that has not been replicated in any other game not just the browns obviously the browns had no time for training they found out 24 hours before and they're 
in lies the problem is that the Browns found out 24, less than 24 hours from kickoff that they were going to be out all but one of their active wide receivers on their 53-man roster, two of their defensive players, outside of who they already knew was going to be listed. And so there's the problem is that there wasn't, there wasn't any time given to the Browns, not only to come up with a plan, but to get these players that they pulled from the practice squad conditioned and ready to go. Mm-hmm. And so there's the inconsistency there, and that's where it doesn't make any sense because the Ravens, they, they kept that in mind. They kept muscle strains and injury and training in mind when they made that decision to delay it that third time. But that wasn't presented to the Browns as an option. And and there's where the inconsistency lies. And the, the NFL cited you know, other cases, but those cases that they cited bring up those same issues. They cited the Denver Broncos situation where their entire quarterback room was placed on the reserve COVID-19 list and they had to play the Saints. And they had to call in their practice squad wide receiver who had experience in college playing quarterback to be their starting quarterback. Um, and so the obviously competitive nature aside, they didn't care about that. But it also comes down to the health of those players. He was not ready. He was not trained. He was not conditioned. And that just puts such a strain on a player. The safety of these players who are not prepared to play, there, there you have to question that. So the priorities are mixed up. They also cited uh, the Raiders case where their entire off- offensive line was placed on the list. They were able to return for their game, but they missed the entire week of practice. And so if you want, if you don't want, you know, tears, muscle strains, all of those, all these injuries, then you would assume that that game would have been postponed to allow them time to train, to allow them time to practice and to get ready for that game. And they didn't. So there's those inconsistencies that the league is giving us with these answers. Um, And I think they have a lot more questions to answer when it comes to this, because it's just, it is very inconsistent unless you are the Baltimore Ravens. Well, and the Browns could be dealing with something similar this week if we're fortunate that none of the guys who were placed on the COVID-19 list late Saturday, if they all test negative this week, the earliest they can come back is Thursday. So they're pretty much missing an entire week of practice themselves. You know, they're not allowed in the facilities. They're not allowed to work out with the team. And, you know, unless they have some kind of, you know, beast set up home gym, like they're not able to work out because they have to isolate. Yeah. Brittany, do you, would you like to add to this? Because you did have the comment in here about the Baltimore case specifically. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I appreciate Cammie did a good job of explaining like what happened, like whatever. But there were a lot of people who were talking about, you know, the competitive advantage versus the uncontrolled outbreak. Which to me is like, just say you have an uncontrolled outbreak and then you could just get your game delayed. (laughs) Because right now it's like the Baltimore Ravens are looking like the darlings of the NFL and everyone else is just, you know, put to the side. I made the same joke when, you know, I tweeted the other day and I said something about, um, you know, the Browns have no one to throw the ball to in the NFL. They'll see you at one. I did the same thing about the Denver Broncos. Because imagine not having a quarterback. Like you just don't have one. You have to bring up this kid who played a little, you know, he played, I think, Wake Forest years ago, and you just you throw him into the wolves. And you're like, well, there you go. Like, I don't, I don't, 
I don't have a lot of faith in the NFL as it is. Yeah. But this whole situation has just made me question them that much more. But you had to assume that this was all going to happen. I mean, this uh, COVID, you're not going to avoid it. Yeah. Your teams are going to get outbreaks. This was all just going to happen. It's just, I don't know. Like, it, it, it leaves a bad taste in everyone's mouth when you see them. It looks like, as a fan, that they are playing favorites and ba- the Baltimore Ravens are their favorites. So yeah. here's an inconsistent situation that made me really angry. Uh, towards the beginning of the season, the Titans were the first team to really have a bad outbreak yeah. among their team. So their first game gets canceled, or not canceled, it got postponed. And I think that was the one that was actually against the Steelers. So their their game gets postponed. And what was it, five days later, there was video evidence of Ryan Tannehill with a bunch of players at some random high school yeah, in Tennessee protocol. and that caused a second outbreak among the Titans yeah. and then they got another game delayed because of that because of what Ryan Tannehill did but then when they went to the Denver Broncos which was what Brittany just brought up they said that the reason they're making them play was because they willingly broke protocol there was video evidence of that entire quarterback room doing something that broke protocol so the NFL was saying well okay we're gonna make you play because you weren't following protocol well the Tennessee Titans weren't following protocol either and they got their game delayed and didn't the Ravens their whole outbreak was caused by like a conditioning coach or something yeah so they weren't following protocol either well okay can I just bring something up that maybe unpopular I don't know if this is popular or unpopular but Kimmy I think you pointed out in your article too that the NFL said that their contact tracing has gotten better as the season has went along like it's it's better in terms of how quickly they're able to identify yes I also think the Browns have just been really efficient when it comes to either a player being sick and then not reporting or a player testing positive, and then they immediately shut everything down and are able to trace. Like, the Browns have just been really efficient when this happens, and they haven't let it balloon. It almost feels like you're at an advantage if you let things get out of control and balloon because there's nothing else to do other than keep pushing things back. But I also feel like the NFL ran out of time. So the Browns, unfortunately, this case, this contact tracing with players having to sit out, happen too late in the season for them to get any leeway in terms of pushing things back because they don't want to push out the playoffs. They don't. It just makes me wonder, though, what if this were to happen during a playoff week? Like, what what are they going to do? Because, you like, imagine this was the first week of the playoffs and the Browns are in, and the day before the game playoff game starts, you get a positive test and based on the contact tracing you have more players that have to sit out like you're going to make them play like is that what this is that how it's going to be going forward with playoff super i mean what if this happened during the week of the super bowl oh my god what if like so let let's say let's say the chiefs are in the super bowl what if patrick mahomes gets covid or is put on a contact tracing (laughs) and then all of a sudden the chiefs have to go into the super bowl without patrick mahomes they would never Mm. never I don't think that they would. And that is a question um, that I would like to ask the NFL. I, I, I plan on trying to dig a little bit more into yes. this and, and seeing the plans. Um, but, I mean, yeah, they, they could have avoided this. And there was talks in October about the NFL adding a week 18 and a week Ugh. 19, potentially, to 
accommodate for this exact situation. Because like you said, that's a big part of it. The, the league ran out of time. The Browns outbreak, this happened so late in the season that there is no week 18. There is no week 19. They don't have that ready. They're set. They said in their statement that they are, they have 17 games left. They're ready to go. They're, they're like, that. that's what they want to do. They're going to finish on time. They didn't want to have to, with talking with owners um, and you know, league officials, they didn't want to reschedule, push back the playoffs, reschedule, push back the Super Bowl. They wanted to go as scheduled, and all the teams decided on this. But had they, had they put in that week 18 or week 19, this wouldn't have been a question. It would have already been built in for that exact scenario, and the games could have been rescheduled a couple days later, a week later, and they would have had that, that cushion to move teams around this late because an outbreak was bound to happen at some point. Again, it's happened throughout the season. They're crazy if they thought that it wasn't going to happen late in the season at mm-hmm. some point to someone uh, because they're not bubbling, so it like it can happen. They're doing a, and the Browns. If it happened to the Browns, you know it can happen to anyone because yeah, the Browns are sticklers to the rules and the and the protocols. That that's they they pride themselves on how well they follow their protocols. And it was just one mishap, yeah, one small mishap that they've been and they've been preaching it like crazy all season. Uh, and it wasn't it wasn't anything intentional like you know guys partying in the locker rooms with masks off. It was something very small that just snowballed into this massive, really season-changing moment. Yeah. Could very well be. And we will see next week if that's the case. (laughs) Cammie, I wanted to ask you, in in the digging, because I know you know way more about this than I do on this matter, but you mentioned, like, it was very small, very small mishap with um, the receivers being around B.J. Goodson in the recovery, the hot tub, right? The, mm-hmm. They were recovering. They didn't have their masks on. Had they had their masks on, would they still have been not allowed to play based on the contact tracing? Because I know it's all, like, there's also being in the same room with someone for 15 minutes. Like, I don't know what the exact rules are, but had they been masked up, do they play? So, from my understanding, they were masked, but a player had his mask on incorrectly oh i did not know that so what i'm assuming is that it might have been below his nose which is what a lot of the case and because of that like because of that that's what kind of snowballs it and is that identified based on like how do they know that i'm just like i'm like just asking the question like are there cameras everywhere yeah there are cameras they they check cameras okay so they have cameras throughout the facilities that are I know they wear it. the monitors. Like, yeah, they wear the Nexanon, whatever, how, whatever the name is, around their necks that, that contact trace when they're in distance. But they also rely on, on cameras, too, to, okay. to check and trace. Wow. It's, it's the real deal. I just had something at work happen with um, someone, and I literally just had to send an email being like, I think these were the people in the room. Not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Very, very high check. Yeah. Well, and they're serious too. It's not just the players that have those. It's like every single personnel that has it in Berea. So, and, and not just Berea, but all 32 teams. So if you're a trainer or if you work on, say, the radio network and you have to go in there, you have to have one of those um, one of those chips on, whether it's the necklace or the bracelet or whatever it is, 
Um, the, like, the PR staff has them. So even people who aren't directly involved on the playing side, but are still with the team, they all have that. And they all have certain people that they're not allowed to go near. Because like, I know, you know, some of the people that I work with in there, they're not allowed within six feet of the players. And if they do, then they've got an alarm that goes off. So it's, it is some serious stuff. Gosh, an alarm? Yeah, it's not like an alarm. But it's like a beeping, I think is what they told me. But it's like one of those little like warning things of like, hey, you're not, you're, you're getting too close to someone you're not allowed to be in the vicinity of. I want one of those for like everyone. <laughs> right? <laughs> the you I'm are upset. too close to me. Get away. <laughs> I've said since the beginning that I really hope that the six feet of social distancing and like grocery store Same. lines <laughs> like, i hope that's something that people i want to continue with. wearing masks during Me flu too. season i think that's a great idea keep yeah. your hands out of your mouth like it's <laughs> yeah. just totally it's agree. so easy totally agree i, I like i 100 percent support social distancing like yes. no handshaking no awkward random hugs to no. people no. oh okay um so i want to ask you guys this question because we kind of alluded to it like this this little small slip up could have huge implications of course do you guys think this is the worst loss we suffered this season and, and we've had some we've had some doozies um Brittany I'll, I'll start with you on that one this I, I said yesterday this is the worst I've ever felt after a loss this year like the the Ravens one was tough but it was like okay it's week one the first Ravens one I, let me clarify Ugh. uh week one I was like okay that was tough but you know the off season was weird growing pains like we it was baltimore like there was a lot of things that went into it so i was like okay long season ahead it's fine um against the the raiders that one did not feel great you know that was not a great lot there wasn't a whole lot to to be happy about with that one but you were like okay like going into a bye week the weather was crappy like again different variables that you know can make you not excuses but maybe a little bit um the other ravens loss I was, like, going to bed with a smile on my face with that one, so that one didn't bother me at all. Um, so at this one, oh, the Steelers, that sucked, too. That sucked. Yeah. But yeah. I'd say that this one more than any of them, and it's just because it never crossed my mind, even when they were losing yesterday, that they were going to lose that game. Like, And given the circumstances, given the fact that they were missing so many people, half their offense was gone um, you know, defense is depleted. It, everything that could have gone wrong yesterday did. And here's me in the fourth quarter still sitting, you know, and I'm like, oh, no, it's going to be fine. Like, they're going to win this game. And then it just hit me once, you know, the, the fourth down and, and Baker fumbled. And I was like, oh, my God, they're really about to lose to the Jets. Like, it, that was such a hard pill to swallow yesterday. And then you'd only have one game left. We're almost there. Oh. It's, it's done. So now like it's win or go home. And yeah. it's against the Steelers. That's always tough. Even if they're resting people, it's still going to be, a, I believe, a hard-fought game. So, yeah. I yeah. felt doom the minute on Saturday it was announced, honestly. Like, I just got this sinking feeling in my, like, to the pit of my stomach. Like, like before they even said who it was? Yes. Yeah. yeah. As I, soon as I they made just, the announcement, like, I think everyone was like, this is going to be a big one, I think. Yeah. And, yeah. and it, I, at that point, was like, I don't even, fine, when they announced it was BJ Goodson, I was disappointed, but I was like, why do I feel like this isn't the end? Like, yeah. why does it feel like there's just something looming, like a yes. cloud, a big rain cloud? just waiting to pour out and I have to say 
I had people like blaming me for this because I trolled the Steelers oh earlier in the week. Like someone legit like sent me a tweet and was like, it's all your fault. Like this is why you don't oh my do God. that stuff on Twitter. I was like, yes. Bree, it's your fault BJ Goodson got COVID. Full responsibility for this. So so Bree, who has already had COVID and has her antibodies and has no access to Berea, went up to BJ Goodson and gave him COVID. (laughs) Cammy's got antibodies too. Her and I could donate some of them. I don't know. Like, man. I'm here for it. If somebody wants to, I'll give as much of my plasma, my blood that will protect the Browns if it means... If it means a playoff push, if it means a postseason, take it all. Yes. Now, Cammy, you can't like eat meat or something, right? Yeah, I'm all my my taste and my my smell is nine months later, Ugh. all messed up. That's oh wild gosh. to me. Yeah, I'm like Crazy. a I'm almost a pescatarian at this point. It was not uh, a choice. Oh but, my gosh. But I'm working. But but it's a good thing because like fish still tastes good. So I at least get like protein in that sense. Oh, that's wow. good. Have you seen? <laughs> you might want to try this. There's uh, the orange TikTok. On... Yes, I saw it on TikTok. <laughs> the, the orange remedy. All of my friends. All of my friends sent as like as soon as it got like tr- became trending. All of my friends sent me links to it. They're like, oh my god, maybe if you try this, it'll work. And I'm like, I will. I haven't yet because I don't TikTok. Like I don't record a lot of videos. I have like three. But I'm going <laughs> to record myself on TikTok. I'm going to make a TikTok of me trying the orange challenge. And yes. I'm going to be very honest because yes. I don't believe the TikTok trends all the time. I don't believe what's going on there. So I'm going to get to the bottom of this and see if it actually works. I, well, I hope it. it works for you. Me too. You'll find out on TikTok. Yes. <laughs> Follow along. Oh, God. And we'll have to we'll have to send Brittany the link. To Listen, TikTok. I downloaded TikTok over the weekend. <gasps> yes, I did. Girl. I didn't do anything, but I creeped on you guys. So, <laughs> <laughs> Brie, I went all. The, I went back to all your home improvements. <laughs> yeah, that's when I blew up. I like. Who, who would have thought? Like countertops. You know. I loved it. <laughs> it was so soothing. <laughs> Thank you. It's okay. I still only have like thirty followers, and I. Think Think only five of them are real, which is fine. Like, I don't think I want to blow up on TikTok. It seems stressful. I think I have four followers, and I think three of them are my boyfriend's niece, so, nieces. So. <laughs> and I think I, I think the only times like, oh, you guys follow me. Yeah, I, think, yeah. I follow you. I think, I think we did that together. I think we decided that we were going to follow each other together. I think I only follow you guys and one of my boyfriend's nieces because she took my phone and followed me herself. <laughs> amazing (laughs) oh tiktok is the best um makes me laugh except when you know it's all based on algorithms and stuff so i will say this like i did actually like juju's tiktoks of dancing like him dancing and chase claypool like i found them very entertaining on tiktok like they're tiktok stars so i liked a lot of their posts and so now i i get like Steelers TikTok stuff all the time like on my feed and it drives me crazy oh I posted a Steelers TikTok last week no but I'm getting like like as if I'm a Steelers fan and want oh, to see that oh, content now oh no it's God. like nauseating so I'm trying oh, to figure I'm trying to like as many Browns things as possible to get my algorithms back in check anyway. yeah I posted I posted a TikTok it kind of making fun of the Steelers and I don't think people understood because then people started um, arguing about Le'Veon Bell in the comments so because it was the trend of like what video lives in your head rent free and there was this uh, news clip of this woman who got so upset that Le'Veon Bell left the Steelers and the just the clip that I can never it I swear to god it runs through my head at least three to four times a day 
where she goes, come on, it's the Steelers. You can't take it with you, Le'Veon. <laughs> I mean, let's go watch it. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, oh my God, it's so funny. I like that, again, the, the trend was what video lives in your, your head rent-free. That one, for like a year, has been living in my he- head rent-free. Oh man, how do we get on TikTok? All right, I, I have one <laughs> final question I want to ask you guys before we move on to talk about the offense. Um, we've talked about this before on the show, but it does feel like every time the Browns are on, whoever is set to do the game, outside of of um, Nance and Romo, I would say, it feels like they hate the Browns and they won't acknowledge anything that they do right. And I also felt like the entire broadcast, they didn't even want to talk about how much of an impact this had on the team. And it was so frustrating because I felt like this whole thing would just carry over into the narrative of the Browns are just a bad football team. We're just going to forget what the craziness they experienced in 24 hours before the game even kicked off. Like it was just thrown under the rug of like, Wow, why are why is their offense so bad? Like, why can't they? Why <laughs> they don't have any receiver? Like, what offense, sir? <laughs> well, okay, so I I truly believe that the COVID news and everything that happened leading up to the game rattled the team a lot more than they're willing to admit. I think Kevin Stefanski, even though he's a literal rock, probably got rattled. I think Baker Mayfield looked a little rattled, and also. The Jets took advantage of it because I was—I yeah. said this to a friend of mine who is a diehard Jets fan, and he tend to agree with me is that I feel like both uh, Sam Darnold and Adam Gase are kind of on a revenge tour right now because they haven't been treated very well in in New York. I mean, Adam Gase is all but fired at this point, and everyone is pretty much saying that the Jets are going to let loose Sam Darnold. So I feel like the two of them are in cahoots and they're just like, all right, well, we're going to win a bunch of games and completely ruin their chances. Like they already ruined their chance of getting Trevor Lawrence. And I feel like if they continue to win games, they'll probably lose the opportunity to get Justin Fields if that's the other quarterback that they are targeting. So I feel like it's... <laughs> Wait a minute. Why like, would Sam Darnold want to have Trevor Lawrence? Or I mean, like, come on, he's trying to... Exactly, that's it. Well, I think, yeah, I, I think that it's, you know, Sam Darnold and Adam Gase are, like, giving a middle finger to the Jets because they both know that they're yeah. on their way out. I think so they're saying, they're, okay. I think they're both just terrible and they're locking into <laughs> these wins. I'm going to go off about Adam Gase shortly once we get into the Kevin Stefanski thing. But I have uh, this is a hard disagree for me. I think they played a team that did not have an offense or a defense and they lucked into winning. So I like (laughs) this idea that Adam Gase is like a smart guy who would think of this. Like, I can't, I can't. Isn't he your like crush though, Brittany? Don't you love Adam Gase? Oh, I think uh, I'm not gonna say what I think, but like, yeah, he's a beautiful man. But he's stupid. Like, I don't think he's a bright guy. I just think he's hot. You know? He's got those crazy eyes. Yeah, he's the kind of guy I wouldn't want to talk to. Just be like, what's up? Oh, my gosh. I I don't even. This took a turn. I can't breathe. This took a turn. It always takes Um, a turn. Brie, can I I tell you something that's going to hurt your feelings even more? Oh, no. About about the broadcasting situation? I don't want to be like the Debbie Downer. Tell me. But they, they um, they did address the situation of um, the wide receivers being out and their offensive line being half depleted. Uh, And it was even worse than just not addressing it. 
they had one moment where they brought it up and they said, I don't think it should have as big of an impact oh, as yes. it's having. Yes, I remember that. I remember oh that. Oh, my god! so mad. Oh, that's annoying. <laughs> so they did address it, and then they just disregarded it as if it was <sighs> nothing, which yes, is okay. even worse. It's like rubbing salt into worse. the wound, right? Like, just right there. It's Okay, but, like, again, if that were any NFL football team, and, and they would have probably performed the same way as the – I mean – Come on, the Jets freaking beat the Rams a week ago, and, and the Rams had a full squad. It's not like the Browns came out there with their entire offense being healthy. Like, I get it. Like, shit on the Rams. Like, you, you can't shit on the Browns for what happened. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. And if any other football team were dealt the cards the Browns were dealt with and played the way they brown, the Browns played, the entire narrative would have been about – how they just can't even believe like what happened and it would have been a sob story and and I just I just can't I can't stand listening to it because I every other to. team that has to go through all this covid shit they're they're heroes when they when they come back from it and the browns are just like why are they struggling oh, yeah. how many theory. times do we hear about it when they played the ravens oh my god like that but was yeah, the whole thing lamar had the shits too it was like yeah. superman's coming <laughs> No, it was it was cramps. Remember, it was the shit. Yeah, you run like that with cramps. Listen, I have a I have a theory that the the broadcasters on a lot of these have have not watched a Browns game yes. outside of what they're covering in a very long time, so they have this perception of what the team is and yes. this perception of what you know their audience thinks about the team. But I think if they paid a little bit more attention throughout the season. Which is hard to do. They have a lot of teams to cover, but if you just paid a little bit more attention, you would understand that that's not the way to go about it. Being <laughs> negative about the team isn't the way to go about it because there's a lot of people who are really high on the Browns right now. Not just Browns fans, but around the league, there are, it's it's something that's coming up. It's, it's a lot more national media is, is picking up on the Browns being the real deal and getting on that right foot and the right page. But for some reason, the broadcasters aren't picking up on that yet. Yeah. And, and we're going to get there maybe one day. Hopefully one day. But right now, it's a mess. It is a mess. It is very frustrating to listen to every Im- week. Imagine being a 10-win team and the national media is still thinking that you're bad. Yeah, I mean, you would have thought that they – It was. you would have thought that it was an 0-14 team against a 1-13 team yesterday. That's how it felt like watching it and listening to them. I feel like a lot of people, because I think everybody, every single person got burned by their opinions on the Browns last year, because what the Browns are this year is what we expected to happen under Freddie Kitchens last year. So, and I know like a lot of my colleagues, I know I'm embarrassed about my Freddie Kitchens takes before the season started, but I feel like, (laughs) I feel like everybody feels like they got burned by it because there were a lot of national, there was so much national attention surrounding the Browns because they had so many, they had 425 games. They had Sunday night football. They had Thursday night. They had Monday night. They had so much prime time on the schedule last year and they just didn't deserve it. And so I feel like now everyone's like afraid to praise the Browns because they got burned for praising the Browns under Freddie kitchens. I bookmarked a tweet last year before the season from a Ravens fan heckling me. To like, Ooh, kept receipts. I kept receipts. 
you think I could go back to that and talk shit? Like, we didn't even <laughs> beat him this year. I was like, God damn it, Green. Like, what are you doing? Like, don't stoop to this level. <laughs> I mean, I, sometimes I feel like it's okay. Oh, like, it's okay God. to stoop a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, that was my faith in Freddie Kitchens last year. I was, like, bookmarking tweets that are still <laughs> <laughs> left on unread. Um. Like, I can I can understand before the season started not wanting to get too hype about Kevin Stefanski because of what happened with Freddie Kitchens. But at this point in the season, when you see the way that Kevin Stefanski has coached and you see the way he handles himself with the media and you see this team win 10 freaking games to like not feel okay about getting excited and praising them, it's just, it's so absurd to me. Like it's not quote unquote, same old Browns. Like I yes. had to talk my dad off a ledge this morning because he was like, same old, I'm 68 years old and I'm never going to see that footage. Dad, <laughs> calm down. Calm down. He was like, thank God for the Cavs. At least one of my teams won a championship. <laughs> That's where we're at right now. That's really where we're at. Huh? I know, me talking my dad off a ledge. Um, I want to break down the offense a little bit, if that's what you could even call yesterday's performance. So um, as we all know at this point in time, the Browns threw the ball 53 times, um, 25 times in the first half alone without their starting receivers that we've talked about. Uh, Baker played awful. He was under pressure and under duress almost the entire game. Um, he was only 28 of 53, 285 yards. He was sacked four times, and he had three fumbles. Ugh. We'll get into the big one. Um, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb had their least productive game of the year. Uh, they were pretty much non-existent. They had 15 carries combined and only 40 yards rushing. Um, but they did catch six passes, seven, sorry, eight passes for 79 yards. Um, yet through all of this, the Browns were still in position to tie or win the game um, with under two minutes to go. And we all know how the game ended. Uh, the quarterback sneak, Baker Mayfield fumble, which resulted in a dead ball based on it being under two minutes. Game over. The offense was also missing Teller um, and Jed, so the run game couldn't get going without them. Um, and there was something posted from um, Next Gen Stats as well that said that there was no situation that the Browns were in where there were more defenders in the box than they had blockers. They just couldn't create a lane, which to me was probably the most disappointing thing about the offense yesterday was the lack of of run game and the lack of involvement from both Kareem and Nick Chubb. Um, I don't know who wants to start with this, with the offense, Baker and the fumbles, the quarterback sneak, the lack of running game. I mean, any takers, guys? Brittany? Okay, so I guess a good place to start would be the run game because I saw so many people upset yesterday that they didn't run more. You have 24 and 27. How are you going to have these two elite talents and not use them? How could you not? If anyone was paying attention to the game, these guys weren't going anywhere. Like I hate the fact that we, that the jets looked so their defense looked so good against us, but really it's just, you know, if, if they went into that game saying, okay, like our number one priority is to stop the run, you know, because he, he has no one to throw to, so we're going to force him to throw. That was, you know, a, it's a good game plan. You see that he, all the wide receivers are gone. All he has are tight ends and, you know, Cream Hunt can be a receiver, whatever. 
but he's missing most of his weapons. So you say, okay, if we could just stop the run, we're good to go. So, you know, they, they stuffed it. Kareem and Nick Chubb could never get going. It looked like Stefanski abandoned the run early when really there wasn't a whole lot of options there. You know, and that's, I mean, as far as the offense goes, that's really the only thing I could say. Baker looked bad. That was probably, I'd say, the worst we've seen him look this year. Again, it, it, people, are, you can't make excuses. You can't make excuses. But, you know, when half of your offense is missing, that's not an excuse. That's just a fact. You're not going to be, you know, you're not going to look like a 10-win team when half of your offense is gone. That's just, it's not going to happen. And, you know, unfortunately, yesterday happened. But the fact that they were still in it at halftime, they were only down 10 points at halftime when everything had gone wrong, when so many important pieces were missing. I mean, you know, it could have been a whole lot worse. Good thing we weren't playing a very good team because that would have been just crushing. Yeah, I mean, at least the Browns were still in it at some point. Uh, and we'll talk about the defense because I think we all know that one play on that the defense made that should have gotten overturned but wasn't. And that yeah. could have been a momentum shift for the game. And we'll get into that. But yeah, I think what we've kind of seen with this team this year in particular is that because the defense is nowhere near the level of the offense, the, the offense has to score like 40 or 50 a game sometimes to win. And they just didn't have that ability yesterday. And I think that yesterday is also a testament to just how solid the offensive line has been. You know, just yeah. having two starters out on the offensive line completely shut down the offense. Because you have some of the most talented, you know, offensive players in the game. Now, granted, Jarvis wasn't on the field. And Donovan Peoples-Jones, who has been really stepping up, wasn't on the field. And Hollywood Higgins, who you know, has all the chemistry in the world with Baker, wasn't on the field. So, I mean, we didn't have that part of it, but, you know, Chubb and Hunt are two of the best running backs in the league. And if you don't have that that offensive line, you know, blocking for them, they just, they go nowhere. There were plays where Kareem lost yardage and it was painful to watch. Yeah, I, you guys brought up, uh, you know, people being upset that they seem to abandon the run game, but... And that was one of the, the concerns I saw a lot of people were talking about is, well, yeah, if you couldn't establish it at the beginning, you can just, you know, the Browns, that's what they were good at is in the, in the second half. They, they, they chip away, and then the, the run game kind of explodes in the second half. That only happens if you can chip away at them. With, with no mm -hmm. offensive linemen setting blocks and, and making it hard for them, there's no chipping away. The defensive line wasn't exhausted. They weren't tired. They weren't worn down. So, yeah, Kevin Stefanski was forced to throw the ball mm -hmm. because if you're losing one, two yards, if you're, if you're running backs who are complete elite stars are averaging a couple yards per carry, just one or two, that's, that's, not, that's not where your run game is used to being. And that shows you that that's not going to be established. And it's not going to just be established in the second half because they want it to. You have to chip away. You have to wear them down. You cannot wear them down if there is no one there pushing back that defensive line and making lanes for their running backs. It wasn't happening. It couldn't happen. And not to discredit Nick Harris, 
I mean, he's a, he's a rookie out of his position, but he he was struggling. That's why you mm-hmm. saw Baker Mayfield mm-hmm. sacked. You saw the, the inability to establish the run game. They were underprepared, and that's not that doesn't that's just the circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. That was just the circumstances. So anyone who's upset about the way that Kevin Stefanski, yes, I know in hindsight when you look at the box score and you're like, oh, my gosh, how did he throw it 53 times? Why would you do that? Well, it's it's because there was no way that the team was going to establish a run game. It's all good in theory, but when it comes down to executing it, you can only do that when you have the players able to do that. And, and, and their replacement guys are just that they just weren't that. Yeah, it's a really good segue because yes. let's talk about Kevin Stefanski and that game plan. Um, so according to Kevin Stefanski, he said this himself in his post-game presser that the game plan was not altered. Um, and I want to talk about that because given the timing of when the team and Kevin found out about the loss of his receivers and his linemen, is there even enough time to alter the play? Like what do you, what do you even do at that moment in time? I mean, you have a plane ride. And, and you can stay up all night, like, cramming for a big test that you didn't prepare for, right? But you spend an entire week going into this game, preparing as if you're going to have all these players available to you, and then you find out less than 24 hours until you play the game. You can't redo all of a week's worth, all of a week's worth of work overnight and expect that the players are going to actually be able to execute it. So... I kind of understand when Kevin Stefanski said we didn't really alter the game plan because I don't know what would have been worse. You, you go try to execute what you've been working on all week with players that just have to fill in and do the best that they can, or you try to you try to change everything so then nobody on your team is on the same page. Um, and we've talked about the run game or the lack thereof, um, but you guys all brought up really good points um, with that. And Part of the reason that the run game works so well for the Browns, too, is that they're able to open up with passing. And obviously, like, the Jets didn't have to worry about that yesterday going into it. Like, they didn't have to worry about getting beat on deep throws or deep passes because half the time the receivers didn't even know what routes they were running. And and that's the reality of what happened yesterday. So, um, Meredith, I'll start with you. What did you think about Kevin Stefanski and, and his game plan and how he approached this? and his comments post-game. I think he was in a really tough position for exactly the reasons you laid out. You know, they didn't have the time the way the Ravens and the Titans did to figure out their backups and to train up their backups into into their scheme. So, I, I mean, if you're trying to get a run game going and your two-star running backs are losing yardage or getting a yard per carry... Like, you have no choice but to throw. And Baker's throwing game has been really solid the last two weeks. So Stefanski obviously had trust in Baker to throw the ball. I mean, there were some throws that just, they weren't accurate. And I couldn't tell if it was his receivers not hitting their marks on their routes or if it was just because Baker was kind of hyped up and uncomfortable and and not really hitting his marks. But when your quarterback has had the the passing game that he's had for the past two weeks and your running backs can't break through the other team's defense, what else are you supposed to do? Like, I think he looked at the situation and said, okay, these are my options. This is what I'm going to try. And unfortunately, that wasn't working either. I, I think if one 
of Baker's receivers was in the game. I think it would have been different. Although if it was, say, Jarvis Landry, then, you know, their entire defense would have been going after him, although that probably would have misdirected them and opened up a lane for the running game. So, I mean, I think, you know, just having one of Baker's normal receivers in the game would have made a world of difference. Yeah, Brittany, I want to jump to you, too, because you had made a tweet earlier, I think earlier in the day, about something that Coach Stefanski said post-game presser that has been bothering you and kept you up all night. So I want you to get into that and exactly what that was. It really did. I I sat in bed staring at the ceiling last night like, why did he say that? Like, it's, it's just, it's sitting in the pit of my stomach. So yesterday he said after the game that he got out coached. And to give Adam Gase that kind of credit that Adam Gase outcoached, like I could not, you know, there are circumstances in life where, you know, say you're going shopping with, you know, your friends and your friend comes out of the dressing room and her dress doesn't look good on her. She's like, hey, does this look good? There are better ways to say no than just, no, that looks terrible. You know, like, and I respect that Kevin Stefanski, like, he's a leader. He was going to take the blame for that loss, of course. Like, that's that's what he, that's the kind of coach that he is. He was going to say, yeah, this one's on me. And that's fine. Just say that. Say, this one's on me. I take blame. You know, if we lose, it comes down to, to coaching. And, like, I get that. Don't ever give Adam Gase that kind of credit. <laughs> this guy's a clown. He should have been fired two years ago. He's like hanging on by a thread to his job. Don't, it, in a way, it sort of cheapens everything that Kevin Stefanski has been able to do this year by saying, I got out coached by Adam Gase. And that, since yesterday, that, that thought has been tumbling around in my mind. And I hated that he said it. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's that's funny. I feel like if they tried to fight or Adam Gase, he would just give them crazy eyes, and then they get too intimidated, and they're like, "Oh nope, never mind." Good, I, good he job. has like a spell on them, or he has blackmail on that man. Should <laughs> I can't believe there are like so many unemployed people in this country, and Adam Gase is not one of them. <laughs> like he just can't lose his job. I think I saw a report too yesterday prior to the prior to the game. It was something to the the extent of if. The Jets lose to the Browns, Adam Gase. It'll be Adam Gase's final game. Like, this is the final straw? Yeah, like, like why, is, why is losing to a 10-win team the final straw right. for Adam Gase? Like, it, it, you're exactly right. It should have happened years, like, two years ago when he was yes. hired. Like, yes. We made a mistake. We'll move on. Oh, Cammie, anything else to add about Kevin Stefanski? I know you've been in press conferences, um, and, and you've kind of seen him – week in and week out kind of say the same things be pretty even keeled anything that you took away from from him that makes you feel confident going into next week yeah the fact that he didn't get away from the game plan and and here's why because we know what that would have looked like we know what that would have looked like because kev or because freddie kitchens did it every week <laughs> he did it every week he would they'd have a game plan and then he would switch it on saturday oh my god it's so true i i forgot about that just until you brought that up but yeah he talked about how he would switch game plans less than 24 hours before yep, the, to, complete... like to fool no one but his own team <laughs> <laughs> so we know so... what that looks like and it wasn't pretty it was really really ugly so 
to Kevin Stefanski's credit, although there are things, obviously, in hindsight, you look back, you wish he would have, like, tweaked a little bit. The fact that he didn't stray all the way away from it and completely <laughs> change it, I appreciate that and I commend that because those guys were there. They like A lot of those guys were in practice. They knew that kind of what the game plan was, not that they got hands-on experience with it, but they at least had an idea. The fact that he did not pull Freddie Kitchens, that's good enough for me. <laughs> there you go. It's hilarious because Freddie Kitchens didn't even have, like, COVID to blame for what happened <laughs> last year. It's just, like... That was actually a, like, normal situation that happened week in and week out. Oh, God. I know. And then at the beginning of the season, a lot one of the things that the players praised about Kevin Stefanski is that, you know, he's it's not just he has the opening drive planned out. It's like he's got the first half game plan, you know, laid out kind of thing or something. But, like, they said that, like, Kevin Stefanski has, like, X number of plays already planned out before and they all know because he all because he tells them you know at the very least through their walkthroughs so that was one of the things that i remember some of the players saying at the beginning of the season was that they appreciate stefanski's preparedness and you know his thinking ahead and and having a plan and laying it all out and you know freddie kitchens coaches football the way i like organize things in my brain so you know just constant noise well how dare kevin stefanski for not having a scenario where he loses his entire wide receiving core on saturday before his sunday game like how dare he not have a backup game plan in place like the one audacity the one thing that i did i wrote this down and i said i didn't care about the run game the run game wasn't working that's fine i knew that he was gonna have to throw to tight ends all day and you know whatever that's circumstances I wish they would have thrown into Joku more. Like you know, yeah. the the way that the Bryant and Hooper they were missing yeah. it. They they threw. I think Njoku caught everything. He had like four targets and he caught all of them. I wish they would have got him more involved. I know people you know are sort of down on him because granted he does you know drop a good amount sometimes. Um, but not as much as Harrison Bryant. Yeah, right. Harrison like Bryant you. Sh- they, I wish he would have been more involved in the game yesterday. I think that could have helped i mean he's great in in the end zone if he would have made it there. <laughs> ouch i know i know oh man all right we'll move on to the defense shouldn't take long defense has been the defense all year same defense guys um <laughs> shouldn't take long <laughs> we should just make the same like four talking points honest to goodness i i mean i have like said all year like our best defense is our offense and in a game where the offense wasn't there like we struggled and everyone was mad at me last week for being hard on the defense against the Giants and I know that they held the Giants to three points but guys they couldn't hold Sam Darnold they could not hold Sam Darnold and this was the exact same defense um although Sandejo made a really good stop to get the ball back to give the Browns a chance he did he he's got his plays every once in a while and then what what was it I think there was a a playing around though still too I know and Again, Sandejo expected to spend this entire season on the bench. Like, I don't think he expected to see the field once, and he has unfortunately had to be a starter. But there was that one play. I want to say it was a, a strip sack from Miles that okay, looked like a I fumble. Was going to bring yeah. that up, yes, because it was the Browns have struggled to force turnovers, and I think we could all say that the Miles Garrett he had a strip fumble that was called an incomplete pass, which is absolute bullshit. Yeah, I, I mean, and that was was annoying because that would have been a complete momentum shift 
yes. for the entire game. And it was just like, and I hate, and I hate blaming refs because you should never be in a situation where a, one bad call costs you a game. But that's unfortunately the, the situation that the Browns were in yesterday. One bad call cost, well, it didn't necessarily cost them the game, but it cost them a momentum shift that could have ended very differently yesterday. Yeah, pain, pain. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing else to add for the defense. Like, I I, can't, I don't know what else to say the defense. The only thing that I will say, okay, we make it to the playoffs, and we're going to get into that. But this defense is not playoff ready, like, at all. I, oh, I mean, we're going to have to score, like, 60 points in the yeah. playoffs <laughs> to even have a chance. Yes. I think to the defense's credit, and I, this is not to the defense's credit, it's more it's more to Joe Woods' credit because I did see a lot of people, you know, calling for him to lose his job. Yeah, well, I was going to say, wait, Cammy, you're giving Joe Woods credit because according to Twitter, he should be fired immediately. I, and that's what's insane. <laughs> I don't know. I, it's so hard to say because, you know, what is he working with? I know. He, he, this team was not built for him to thrive right now. The Browns have bolstered their offense. They got their offensive line pieces. They added offensive weapons. They built the offense around Kevin Stefanski's scheme. And that's what they did with this offseason. And they used pieces that were put into place uh, the year before. And, and it, it worked out really well for the offense. And we've seen this explosive Browns offense really develop throughout the season. Their focus was the offense. Mm-hmm. This this now, this upcoming offseason, that's when you'll see the Browns, fingers crossed, I mean, I can't speak for them, <laughs> but that's when you should be seeing the Browns start making those moves and looking at linebackers. Uh, and and you, you hope that the safety situation works itself out where they are healthy because Ronnie Harrison was a steal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once you get him back, and if you can keep him healthy, there you go. The linebacker situation is rough, but you also have the situation of, you know, Grant Delpit was out for the entire season. They were really banking on him to provide a spark uh, as, as a rookie. And now you'll see him come back next season and you'll be able to bench Andrew Sendejo and use him coming off the bench and, and, and make him a rotational player. If he's even on the team, this is really rough for him. This season's been really rough. Like Meredith, like you said, he was not supposed to be a starter. And like in that sense, I feel for him, but also man, Oh, man. It's been rough. It has been really rough. Cam, can I ask you a question? Yeah. How do you feel about Mac Wilson? Oh, Mac. Oh, oh no. Mac. <laughs> I got I mean, I, I, I put my eggs in the wrong basket because I... We I all did. We all did. And let's not say it's wrong. He's a nice guy. He is. Well, I, I he cannot count the amount of... Every I day. cannot count the amount of Cody Parkey tweets I got yesterday. I'm like, okay, guys, I get it. I get it. He missed. I get it. I went with, with Mac. I think that I think it was very underwhelming. And I think oh, he's losing a lot of Browns fans support because he's blocking everybody. I oh, see. Yeah. That's I unfortunate. That but I mean, I don't, bl- I, it, it would be tough every day to log into your social media and and get told you're bad at your job, but wait, we all we all know that feeling. So, <laughs> <laughs> so just kidding. But, <laughs> but oh, I think so that I, I think that you know with with these players, Cody Parkey is another one. It's it's rough. I gave him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, it took me a, it took me a minute after I found out that we were getting double doink. 
that I was like, you know what? All right, this is going to be all right. And he struggled lately. And I'm like, oh, that's why I had concerns. But, you know, hopefully it's just it doesn't come down to a game on the line. Oh, Cody Parkey kick and he fails because I for that man's sanity. Yes. And honestly, for his physical safety in Cleveland, God. I honestly I I am just really pulling for that situation to not happen. And if it does happen, maybe that's a redemption arc. Maybe that's what happens. Maybe that's where Cody Parkey is headed. That redemption arc of a game on the line, playoff clinching, field goal kick. But I, mean, I don't if, want it to be that close. So. No. I mean, if if Cody Parkey misses one more kick, and it does not matter what the situation is, like the Browns could be up like 50 to 3 over the Steelers. And if Cody Parkey misses a pick, or excuse me, misses a kick, like people are still going to just absolutely crucify him. He's not going to need to wear a mask out in public. He's going to need to wear a paper bag over his head. Listen, I was all out on him yesterday. I, I, gave I know. Up. I saw. <laughs> that was done. I was like, but it's a weird thing going on with kickers this it's year, so I think. Weird. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, he's not alone in this, you know, battle with sucking. It's a, like, epidemic. And what's frustrating with Cody Parkey <laughs> is that he had been, up until last week, he had been hashtag perfect Parkey. And the kicking struggles plagued every single team except for the Ravens and the Browns. And then suddenly... I don't know. Yips came out of nowhere, and now Cody Park, Parky can't even kick a, a routine extra point. I like how they put Scottish Hammer in yesterday. <laughs> well, that was for a, what was it, a 61-yarder? Yes. Like, Cody yeah. Parky does not have the leg strength for that. I like well, that they, they did it. It was cool. Yeah, I agree. Change it up. I actually wish that the NFL, they should change it. If you if you freaking hit the crossbar, because, like, that's so hard to do. You should yes. get four points. Come on. <laughs> and if you double doink it, like, that should be five. Like, that is just as hard. Cody oh Parkey would have won every single game he played exactly, in. Exactly. I mean, if he tried to hit it off the crossbars, he probably wouldn't be able he to. He would miss it. <laughs> maybe maybe, maybe he needs to aim. go through. He needs to stop aiming like in between. Maybe he needs to aim for a crossbar <laughs> and then it'll make it through the uprights. Yes, exactly. I, actually, I had a really funny tweet, uh, somebody in my mentions, and it actually rarely do people respond like replying to me have nice funny things to say. They're mostly mean. <laughs> but this guy, he made me laugh out loud. It was about Cody Parkey and, and somebody had somebody said, just fire him now. Get rid of him. And he said Oh, yeah, because the Browns can just go out and get a veteran kicker off the veteran kicker tree. But they just grow on them now. I'm like, that's, that's a good point and actually really funny. <laughs> it's so true. I was thinking about that, too. I think we were all chatting about it in a, in a group text earlier today. Like, with, like with COVID protocols, too, like, you don't just have a kicker hanging around on your practice squad. Like, you like if you fire Cody Parkey, like, who's your kicker? Like, it's not like there's just good kickers out there that aren't on teams like they're signed or they're with another team like it's i don't know maybe you should hold tryouts then i jesus i don't know like i said (laughs) like i said the bears the bears did that last year after cody parkey doubled the 43 yarder yeah they they had a competition at a bar where they had fans come out because they're like oh cody parkey you know not only did he miss a 43 yarder he he double doinked it so they had this kicking competition 
where fans came out and only one person made it and it was someone who was like a former soccer player i mean it just yeah my husband was a goalie he played goalie in college soccer and one of his biggest pet peeves are field goal kickers because he's like you have one job one job (laughs) it's to kick it through the uprights he was like that's not that hard i was like well then why don't you go try out and let everybody be mad at you when you miss a kick I feel like if the Browns really need to, maybe because the the Haslam's own Columbus crew as yeah, well. Maybe they the should. Maybe they should. Maybe they should like call up the crew and be like, "Hey, since you guys have your MLS Cup, is Yossi available to come kick for us? Yeah, like, can you can you send Zardes up here? I don't know. Well, the Browns do have a uh, for some reason. I think it's just because of COVID. They do have a kicker on oh, their practice squad. Oh, they do. Matt McCrane. <laughs> Yes. I know who that is. It, and and for good reason. You shouldn't know. And it's a good thing that we don't know. <laughs> I Listen, I don't know how Matt McCrane would kick, but I guarantee you Cody Parkey is a little bit more reliable. Oh, boy. That's scary. I've, I yeah. know. Isn't that, it's, it's weird to say that. Those words just came out of my mouth. <laughs> God. I mean, I'm pretty sure Jenna was, like, preparing to make perfect Parkey shirts. Like, she has the design on standby. And then, of course you know, 10 games into the season, he starts to become inconsistent. And that's the biggest issue. And some of the some of the uh, salient takes that were in my Twitter mentions yesterday were, was the fact that he has been inconsistent. And you cannot have an inconsistent kicker, especially, you know, if the Browns were able to score on their last drive, you're looking at a kick to tie the game or a two-point conversion to to win the game. And when you don't have receivers, when your run game isn't working, the more the the smarter thing to do would be to try to tie the game. But not when you have Cody Parkey who already missed an extra point at that yeah. point during the game, you know? So it's just that was such a uh, it was such a terrible situation to be in. Yeah. I am so like I am so upset. I if I were Cody Parkey, like he was probably I mean, like, he wasn't happy that the Browns lost, but he was probably like, oh, God, Baker fumbled it. Thank God I don't have to, like, go out there and make the extra point because I was terrified. I was terrified. Oh, yeah, because he's, yeah, at at this point he is, and this has just been recently, too. It's just been the last two games. He's been way too inconsistent to put him in high-pressure situations. Well, guys, we're going to be in another high-pressure situation next week. Sunday, um, because despite all the things that we just talked about, the Browns still control their own destiny to the playoffs. They need to win against the Steelers on Sunday, and they're in. It's as simple as that. Um, So if I pose this question at the beginning of the season to all of you, that would you take having a shot to get into the playoffs during your final game of the season against the Steelers? We would all say yes, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, like we still can win this football game on Sunday. Like all hope is not lost. I know that it feels like that, especially after Sunday, but the reality is the Browns still have a shot. They don't have to rely on anything else outside of themselves. Um, and it, there is a lot of speculation right now that the Steelers may be resting some of their starters because the, the Vegas, the Vegas has the, the Vegas <laughs> <laughs> has the Browns favored by seven and a half points. See, I feel like if I were the Steelers, I'd be releasing that kind of information out and have people writing stories about it to possibly psych out the Browns. Because like, here's here's the thing. If the situations were reversed and the Browns had clinched the division and clinched the playoffs and the last game was against the Steelers and they had the opportunity 
to ruin the Steelers season on the last game. You really think they're going to sit their starters and go easy? No, they're not going to. So I just, yeah, the I Steelers, don't. Have they had like a, a bye week, no, like a true bye really. week? No, they had their fake bye week. Um, the, what was it? Like week three, the I think was when they were playing on. the Titans. Yeah. Because they practiced all week. Like they thought so, they like, were playing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, it, I would assume, you know, I know that, like, Brown Steelers rivalry, whatever. I think that's more of, like, a fan thing than, you know, players and stuff. I I have to almost assume that, that they're going to rest people, this, especially because like, they've just been going and going and going for so long. They haven't had a break. I mean, Big Ben's old. Yeah, like, he's he... like, yes, he's falling apart. Like, they they barely got past, you know, yesterday. They're, they've been trending down. I said that I think they're going to lose three of the four, which I still I'm going to stand on that hill. I still think the Browns are going to win, um, but yeah, like I I think I still think it's going to be a lot closer than it should be, just because I th- the Steelers always play the Browns well. So, you know, I'm I'm counting on a, a close game either way. But like I I'm I would bet that that they rest their starters on Sunday. Well, do you guys want to hear the myriad of playoff scenarios? Because the one guarantee is. Cleveland wins, and it doesn't matter what happens anywhere else in the league, a win and they're in. But if the Browns do not win, uh, they can still get into the playoffs if Indianapolis loses. That's one scenario. Or Tennessee loses, Miami wins or ties, Baltimore wins or ties. So those are the two scenarios that the Browns can make it in if they lose. If the Browns tie with the Steelers, a loss from Baltimore, Miami, Tennessee, or Indianapolis would get them in. Or, and this is probably my favorite scenario because it's just so bizarre, Cleveland ties, Tennessee ties, Baltimore wins, Miami wins. So those are eight playoff scenarios. Oh I God. I just I, could not. I think that I think the Browns, out of all those teams you just mentioned, have the hardest team on their schedule. Yes, yes. absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, outside of um, well, who does Indianapolis play? They play the Bills, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it depends on what the Bills are gonna do as well. Like they could also probably rest some starters based on how yeah. Monday Night Football is going for them. I, I don't know. Like, are the Steelers and the Bills gonna want to play for this the second seed? Because that's what's on the line, right? Mm-hmm. I don't like that. Like that, I I, I don't know. I, and, and also, like, the other interesting thing about this is if the Browns do win and make the playoffs, they could be very well facing the Steelers again. Yeah. Like, back to back. Yeah. Like, you, like so, so then it's like you think about that, too. And, and I guess the Steelers could also – they could potentially face the Ravens. Who knows? It's going to be a very interesting matchup. But um, can you imagine playing the Steelers back to back? And, like, you have to beat them twice. Oh, that's rough. It's like, this is just the warm-up because we're going to play all of your second stringers, and now we have to beat the starters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Just get in. Just win. Just freaking know, win please. on Sunday. That's well, I, so I do want to I do want to have a little bit of positivity because I know it's hard after yesterday's loss. It was absolutely probably the worst loss of the season. But, and I think I said this to you too earlier, was that I feel like the loss yesterday, one of the things that makes it so bad is – it it makes people i think people have lost sight of how much the browns have improved this year and how big strides they have made how big of their strides they have made because a lot of people who do pay, pay attention to the browns have said that they're ahead of their schedule in in what is supposed to be an actual rebuild like 
even Baker Mayfield said last week after their win, you know, I didn't realize how hard it was to win 10 games in the NFL until I got here. So we can't discredit the fact that they are a 10 win team uh, and they have made huge strides. And like Cammie said earlier, you know, they're very, they're definitely going to address their defense in the off season. So, I mean, they are well on their way to becoming a perpetual playoff team. And I don't want the loss to the Jets to have people lose sight of that. And then if the Browns do lose to the Steelers and don't make the playoffs, I don't want people to lose sight of the fact that they're still a 10-win team. And that's not something that people should be upset by. And people shouldn't forget, you know, 10 wins is hard and the Browns are a good football team right now. Yep. That's a good way to close out the show, you guys. Yeah. This was this was good. I feel better after talking to all of you on the show. Um, special thanks to Cami for joining us this evening to break down what happened on Sunday and to also give us a lot of great tidbits about the COVID protocols, what exactly happened, um, and a lot of insights. Like we have a kicker on our practice squad that could get called <laughs> up. So. Cami, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It definitely won't be the last time. We'll have to have you on when we talk cabs in the near future. I love it. Yeah. I'm here. I will. Uh, I'm on the Colin Sexton bandwagon. Oh, I love it. Yes, you and Brittany yeah, can I have an entire it. segment dedicated just to Colin Sexton. I, love and it. I will be signed. Can't wait. <laughs> but thanks for having me, guys. It's been. It's been. It's always fun. Yeah, it's always fun. Yeah, so guys, make sure you go follow Cammy if you aren't already. It's at Cammy Justice on Twitter. You can see all of her work um, at News 5 on Cleveland. She puts out some great articles weekly um, and always tweets after press conferences, player quotes, whatnot. Um, so you can find great information there. We will talk to you guys all next week, hopefully breaking down a Browns victory and a playoff appearance. Put oh positive vibes out there, guys. Yes. We will talk to you guys all next week. Thanks for tuning in.